Welcome, stranger, to the lab, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I am your host, Dr. Carlin, apparently. Uh, this is Dr. Carlin, Celtic Monster. Um, previously, I was a nurse on the, the Senate Clinic, and I've just kind of upgraded my um, my credentials to doctor, I suppose. Uh, so I will be a doctor going forward. Uh, I am not registered medically. Um, so, uh, but I don't think that really matters anymore. Um, this is the first episode of Dr. Carlin Celtic Monster and my guest can't really find a better guest. There's no one I would rather workshop, make podcasts, create with than the gaffer, Christopher Gallagher. Hello, Paul. How are you? Does that mean if if you are Dr. Uh, Carlin, which, you know, Dr. Frankenstein, does that mean the guest is Igor? Hmm, probably, yeah, but I'm gonna, probably going to treat you better than, oh. than, he was, than, than he was treated. Um, probably going to treat you better. <laughs> that is, uh, that is, uh, we'll, we'll find that out throughout the podcast, I guess. Let's, let's not make any promises. Uh, before I was, uh, I was chatting to my partner, Frankie, before uh, we recorded there, and he's like, why have you gone for doctor and not professor? I'm like, it's not <laughs> Professor Frankenstein. Fuck's sake. Um, shall I explain the podcast, Gal? Let's go for it. So this has been a, another, another, a uh, potential hit from the Paul Carlin hit factory that's been kicking about in my brain for a while. And, what we're going to do is Chris is today is going to join me and and with my help, Chris is going to create the ultimate Celtic player constructed from individual body parts belonging to Celtic heroes and villains over the years. So so all players are considered, all managers considered, any Celtic figure um, is part of this. Um, Chris will kind of state his case for, for which player's body part he wants to attach to the monster. Um We'll kind of go through it, like left foot, right foot, left leg, right leg, butt, torso, brain, face. Got a lot of categories. Um, so we're just going to go through each body part one by one. Gal will tell me whose body part we're going to... Con- uh, how do you do? Like sew it onto the monster, I guess? Connect. Connect Connect sounds even better than sew. Um what I was thinking was like most body parts will be filled by an outfeed player, but but hands and maybe at least one of the arms probably should be by a goalkeeper. But Chris, this is your monster, and you know you're you're the dreamer of dreams, and I'm the surgeon. Um, both my arms are taken up by outfield players. Both my hands are uh, goalkeepers, but both my arms are taken up by um, outfield players. And I have a feeling, Paul, that you're really, really going to like one of them. But okay. we'll, we'll come to that. Great. Uh, great. Can't wait. Um, I mean, without further ado, have you got any questions, Carol? You want to, you know, we're here in this laboratory, um, you know, bubbling test tubes and, you know, monster mash playing constantly <laughs> on a loop. You know, it's it's kind of spooky vibes. Any Any questions? Um, no questions, just uh, I've got three examples for almost every single body part, with the exception of a few, because I don't think there, there are certain ones that don't need examples, because um, it's more vibes, really. Um, <laughs> but I've got I've got examples, so uh, we're rich in the tapestry of exampledom. Well, the good news is I have every Celtic player past and present locked in a dungeon, and we all we have to do is I'll just, I'll just send... 
my assistant down to to get them and when we'll come back up we'll take the body part we need off them and then we'll send them on their merry way um, great so they're free to go i mean that's a bit risky but well hey you know what are they gonna do you know what, <laughs> call- what's you know what what's um i was gonna say call the know. police but they'll probably some of them will probably go to the fucking sun or the daily record <laughs> to be honest to report it but there you go what, what's scott being gonna do without that pretty face do you know what i mean What's no. he gonna do without that pretty face? Uh, no. Tell me something, gal. What? What? Like? What are some key monster characteristics? What do you like in a monster? This is interesting, Paul, because I am a huge fan of uh, the horror genre, um, and over the last couple of weeks, I've been doing a deep dive into certain kind of uh, characters with within the monster genre. Um, mm. Freddy Krueger. Yep. The representation Great. of uh, mistakes made by the parents passed on to the children, of course. You know, he's he's haunting Elm Street. He's He looks really horrible. He's got this horrible old glove. He's got the green, black and green sweater, and he's all kind of horrible and stuff. But he can only get you in the dreams. So if you avoid sleeping, you can avoid, you know, all those. I like the idea of, like, a monster having a certain sphere that it can only a sphere of relevance you know uh, Michael uh, sorry not Michael Myers uh, Jason Voorhees only really been allowed you know to be in and around Camp Crystal Lake you know that's a a very much a physical location that he's entrapped in and then if you go back to like the monster movies you know obviously um, Dracula you know Vlad the Impaler you know it's all about kind of religious iconography and the idea of resurrection and stuff and you know the Christian kind of um, tramp stampede to the holy land and during the crusades and stuff so yeah i mean i I like the lore of monsters i like the myth of monsters uh and uh yeah it's very much very much my bag great uh well this should be a a a real pleasure for you then um my favorite monster is uh the butterball cenobite from hellraiser terrific genuinely great great monster you know exactly what that's what exactly what i look for a monster like stocky do you know what i mean (laughs) slimy good good um, good evil um, yeah well is he evil? Oh, well, I guess we're about to find out through this podcast. <laughs> I, I, I mean, just want to say, I, I, to the Hellraiser, I, I'm not tempted in any sort of fate. That was Paul <laughs> uh, <laughs> The This is a podcast about Celtic, of course. Um, <laughs> so uh, well, let's just see how this goes. Um, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to it. Um, we're we're going to start at the bottom. Not at the butt, but at the bottom of the body, gal. Um, otherwise known as the foot. So uh, I'd like to know your monster body part for left foot, please. My left foot, if you will. If you will. <clears throat> um, you know, some some would argue that the feet are the be- the most important thing for a footballer. Not me. But some would. Um, you know, the left foot, I think, is... That's what, so we start with the left foot, and a, a couple of a number of names came to mind. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, who obviously you know his, his left foot free kicks for Celtic were legendary. Mm. Um, his ability just to kind of uh, find kind of passes and to really take uh, the ball and the game by the scruff of the neck and really use his ability specifically with that left foot of a wand wand of a left foot. Sorry, um, you know with, with set pieces and and just you know overall kind of. Just fantasticness. Uh, Aidan McGarry, of course, uh, but two-footed. Um, one of my favourite players of all time to wear the hoops. Um, you know, very comfortable on the left and just tremendous. Jota on the wing. Jota, Jota yeah. on the wing. Uh, these were all examples that I kind of thought of. Um, obviously, Lubomir Maravchik, um, again, two-footed and absolutely stunning. But for left foot, 
I went with the one, the only, uh, the passing the pace, the tempo. It's John Collins. Uh, I'm delighted that you've started with John Collins. You've set the bar high, to be honest. Um, and, and what a left foot, left left peg. Uh, some people uh, like to say left peg. Um, yeah, because I, I mean, the left, with, with your feet, you're like thinking about technique. You're thinking about like incisiveness and ability and just, just, the, just the ability to just do something magical. Um, and all the players you've mentioned have great feet, but yeah, John Collins is, it's the free kick. It's the predator boots. It's the passing, the movement, the tempo. Beautiful. I love it. So, uh, John Collins, if you could, yeah, could you go and get, sorry, I'm just talking to my assistant. Could you, could you go and get John Collins and cut Jesus. off his left foot? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Right. Um, Igor's going to go and do that just now. Uh, okay. Uh, right foot, I guess. Every Look, left foot needs a right foot. I've, I've got examples, Paul, for John Collins. Oh, well, let's hear them. So, oh, you've actually given me examples of, of why you'd want his left foot? Yeah. Oh, I, do you know what? I wasn't even expecting uh, any any guest to go into this much detail, but uh, I'd love to hear your reasons for John Collins' left foot. So his technique and his ability to strike a ball uh, was nothing short of sensational uh, in my book. Uh, book. Um, so I've chosen three kind of specific examples that show how good he was with his left foot. So the first one is the free kick versus Rangers in the 2-0 derby victory on the 27th, 27th of August 1994. Uh, wearing those predator boots, um, he strikes it from a dead ball and it's kind of near perfect. It bends in with the left foot right round the, the wall and Gorham's got no chance. Uh, and that's the technique angle. In regards to the vision angle, uh, the crossfield pass for for Paul Byrne and the Derby again in the near day game uh, in 1995. That's that sort of vision um, where he kind of looks up, sees the ball, kind of passes it fantastically well, um, and just absolutely kind of you know sets it on a plate for for Byrne to come in, and it's the perfect. A position for him to run onto it and, and hit it and that was kind of that, that from that point of view and one that kind of combines both I think it mm-hmm. combines the technique and skill of finishing but it also catches the goalkeeper out because the keeper isn't expecting him to, to, to shoot from where he shoots and he isn't expecting him to shoot so early is the finish in the Aberdeen game um, the, the 3-2 win 10th of September 1995 where essentially we come from 2-0 down and he hits it with the outside of his right foot and it bends and it curves in the keeper's not expecting him to hit it from where he hits it the technique is absolutely sensational um, and just the vision and forethought to actually bend it into where he puts it. John Collins is one of my favourite, not only Celtic players, just players of all time. I could talk about him for days. Precision, ability, technique, pace, everything. Thank you, John Collins. Your left foot is very welcome. Well, his left foot is now my left foot. Beautiful. Um, beautiful. Uh, great. I love to love John Collins. I, I just, I would love to see John Collins just be at Celtic in some form. Yeah. You know what I mean? I yeah. just feel like he's the type of person I'd love to have at the club. Professional to the max. A brilliant player. A really good kind of understanding of the game. Um, yeah, the, the, he's he's excellent. I think my pal, I think my pal Dougie is his like nephew or second cousin or something. I need Jesus. to find out. I need to find out. I'll message him and find out. Um, that's the left foot. Whose right foot would you like me to chop off? So, most footballers are right-footed, of course. 
um, the majority. Um, I think it's something like 10% of the population are left-footed. So in regards to footballers, it's probably not even 10%. But, you know, in terms of right-footed players, I thought to myself, okay, um, I'm really only going to go with people I really saw. You know, because guys like Jimmy Johnson and, you know, uh, Kenny Dalglish and, you know, the Lisbon Lions in general and stuff like those guys, the ability with the ball at the feet, probably usurp a lot of the guys I'm going to mention, but that's sure. just, but so I'm, I'm, I'm only going with people I saw in, fl- in the flesh and I just happened to see the king of kings, Henrik Larson. Sometimes, Oof. sometimes we do that thing where you're like, oh, you know, let's leave Larson out. Why the fuck should we leave Larson out? He's the greatest striker. Uh, he's the greatest, I don't know if he's the greatest finisher, but he's certainly the greatest striker, an all-round player that Celtic have, have had. Um, and, He's very adept. So this is in my head. I was thinking about this right, and I was thinking about um, how adept he was with his right foot because I can always see him sweeping the ball away with his right foot, right? And he's a fantastic header of the ball. Um, and you know, we've got the later on, we've got the kind of a uh, the the neck, which is kind of justifies you know scoring goals with the head and stuff. Larson potentially could have done that as well, but I thought, you know, let's let's not kind of give too many parts to one player. But his heading ability was sensational. Mm. I watched every single goal that Larson scored for Celtic today. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, there's a couple of videos on YouTube. That it's like 45 just, minutes or something. Yeah, and it's just, yeah, what a great way to spend your lunch break. I swear to God, man, you were just absolutely entrenched. I couldn't take my eyes off it. Um, and some of the finishes with his left foot are utterly incredible and utterly superb um and i just i just always have this in my head that he scored all of his most of his goals with his right foot and his head and the left foot he scored a couple he actually scored a lot with his left foot but he was predominantly right footed he scored most mm-hmm. of his goals with his right foot uh mm-hmm. henrik larson i mean what what else can you say yeah i mean there's very little you need to say um certainly to listen to this podcast uh you've got two fantastic feet there gal <laughs> um was was Larson your just go to for your right foot, or was there anyone else in the running? I mean, I can't see why you would pick anyone else. I think you're looking for a striker's foot here or a goal scorer's foot here, right? Exactly. I mean, you're looking for you know who who had the best who had the best right foot, and it's it's Larson. I mean, it really is. Um, I've a couple of examples I've got for you. Um, the goal versus Rangers in the five one game, the twenty first of November nineteen ninety eight. Colin Hendry tries to push him off kind of push him off centre, and what that does is it pushes Larson's body, I don't know if this is too much detail, it pushes Larson's body to the side, and it kind of takes away his ability to open up his body, and so when Niemi comes out, he does a flick into the far corner. Quickness of thought, ability to connect the feet, because mm. his body's been moved, because he was opening up his body, but then he does that quick flick with the outside of his foot. Fantastic. The goal versus Valencia, um, mm. the... 6th of December. This is one of my favourite goals because he sweeps it like that and his arm goes behind his... And he just sweeps it into the bottom corner, bends around Canizares and... Um, or Canizares, whatever you want to call Canizares, it. Canizares, yeah. Um, Canizares. Um, and it bends right into the bottom corner. And again, that just shows his, you know, sheer ability to just kind of open up his body really, really well. Um, and there's a goal... Uh, there's so many goals you could pick um, with Larson. But there's a goal that he scores in the League Cup semi-final where, from 2004 against Livingston when the Livingston defence make a mistake and they bang into each other and Larson goes through and he flicks, he lobs the ball with the outside of his right foot. 
it's nothing short of outrageous. He, he lobs, he lobs the keeper with his right foot, and it's just like this, eh, this nonchalant flick. And this is a League Cup semi final, and he's one on one. I just thought, I just thought to myself, having that like robotic ability almost to just kind of tell your foot what to do and when to do it like that is just, it's just Henry Larson. Do you know what? I, I love? I can't remember. I can't picture the goal, the Livy goal you're talking about. The other two, I can, but that's now good excuse to go and watch a forty-five minute long video of Henry Larson's goals for Celtic. Larson was like, he really used. I feel like he really used his body. Yeah, when he was striking a ball, like he was a physical striker of the ball. If that makes sense, like, like almost elastic at times. Like his arms would be flying about and stuff. Like it's probably a part of his game that you'd never really noticed. But right, I can't argue with John Collins and Henry Larson for the feet. I feel like that's a, a great start. Um, oh, 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 standing on steady ground, you might say, Gal. Um, let's put something above those feet, uh, legs. Uh, I'm looking for. A left leg and a right leg. So with this, like, you're thinking about, well, pace is one thing to consider. It's that power, you know, like like um, stamina and things like that. Also, I think tackling, I think, you know, tackling a lot of that's about how you're using your legs, obviously. Um, so let's hear it. Let's start with left leg. Paul, you did a wee guide, and then we'll put this out for all the listeners to see, and it was instrumental and um, helping me kind of narrow down my search. So thank you for that. Thank you for that, Dr. Carlin. Um, but this guy, um, I've got an example of power, pace, and tackling for you, mm. for this guy. Uh, it's the one, it's the only, it's, uh, it's Kieran Tierney. Kieran Tierney. Oh, great. great. Um, athletic, dynamic, aggressive, superb in the tackle, but always powerful in the running as well, with and without the ball, which I think sometimes people kind of, you know, don't realise how hard it is to run at that pace with the ball and keep, completely keep it under control. Um, yeah, Kieran Tierney, he's my... he's his, The left leg is connected to well, John Collins' left foot and that left leg <laughs> is uh, Kieran Tierney's. Oh, the, you can just imagine the, like, the, the bones and the veins like oh, melding yes. oh. together. And um, I'll, I'll do some cool stuff with like alchemy and um, like bone transfusions. To uh, to make this to make this work, um, I should probably drop the doctor gimmick. I feel like the doctor gimmick is the thing that's I like it. This back. I, I like it. I'll be honest. I, I, I'm pro the doctor gimmick. Uh, by the way, I, I, as a side note, I'm doing a I'm doing a masters at university at the moment, and I guarantee you, when I graduate, I'm going to call myself Doctor Carlin. <laughs> There's absolutely like, no no question about it. I'm not going to doctor. I'm going to call myself Doctor Carlin. Uh, uh, Tierney, I mean. Pfft, you know, as, t- as time goes on, I think we, we become even more misty-eyed about Kieran Tierney and, and just how great a fullback he was. Um, but I, one of the adjectives I would think of when thinking about him is like, it, it's it's uh, like determined, like de- his determination, but it was all in his legs. It was his legs. Um, to, to give us some examples of or, or some reasons why you've gone for KT's left leg. Power. In the 40-yard goal versus Kilmarnock on the 8th of August 2017, oh, he was yeah. captain, he picks the ball up, there's a great shot from behind where he just, he runs onto the ball, he takes it in a couple of uh, yards and he just unleashes the, and as the power comes from his, his legs, you know, it, it's like a, what do you call it, a metronome where he just kind of, kind of sweeps across and the ball kind of swerves into the top corner, so... 
that's my that's my power point of view from a pace angle. Uh, the overlap and assist versus Anderlecht Ooh. In, in Belgium. Um, in Champ, it's a really great ball through, but he comes from behind in Cham. He overlaps in Cham, he passes in Cham the ball, and he keeps going, and he's asking for it. And that run is just incredible. And then the ball's played through him, and he picks the ball up, and he, it's almost like a one motion where he sweeps it across, and I think it's Lee Griffiths that scored the back post. But um, just the pace to continually move and to get round. And again, it's like, it's like a traction engine or whatever that phrase is where it's just like the the, the pivots of the kind of legs are just battling back and it's just it kind of powerful and yet pacey uh, and from a tackling point of view the tackle on Candy Hayes uh, <laughs> where he's, he's standing over him and he's just looking down at him that was the 2-0 victory in the, the September 2017 I, I think Kieran Tierney really is that kind of dynamic modern day fullback and I know he's had kind of he's getting trouble getting into the team at Arsenal and stuff but I think he'll go somewhere else probably in the summer and he'll be back to his best I just think he's and I actually think I really do think that he might be at Celtic sooner than we think um, you know, I, Look, mean, I always try to sign him back in football manager Gal. I mean I'm sure you do as well yeah. <laughs> like I'd love him back at Celtic. Um, I, I think I think he's I think he was last chat of him going to Newcastle, and I think he'd fit into that team really well. Um, he's magnificent. I just watched that goal uh, against the the set of the assist, sorry, against Anderlecht, and it's outrageously good. His timing is perfect. Sensational. His, str- his strides, man, he really really strides. And then that goal against Kelly, oh, I remember seeing it. I was at that game and sitting behind the goal, and it just it it. It's gob gobsmacking. My my gob was smacked. <laughs> my gob was smacked uh, as well. Yeah. Weirdly enough. <laughs> uh, okay, happy with that. Kieran Tierney, thank you for your left leg, uh, right leg. So this one was um, this one was kind of kind of interesting because the <laughs> fir- the first person that came to mind was Johan Mialbi. Oh, right. Um, I don't know why, for some reason, I, I, I thought, you know, f- both feet should be attacking players and both legs should be defensive players. I don't know why that kind of came to my head, but... I think I would think that too, yeah. Um, so first thought was Johan Mialbi. Second thought was Scott Brown. Um, yep. You know, and, you know, a couple other players. Because uh, then I was thinking, like, Moussa Dembele, his legs and thighs were mm. just absolutely incredible. Um, but... Cameron Carter-Vickers was another one. Um, yeah. But I went with uh, Virgil van Dijk. Mm, well, I mean, I can already tell why, but let, let's get into it. Uh, so one of, our, one of our best modern day defenders, I mean, look at the career he's had since he left Celtic. Um, an outstanding player for us. Uh, get, got him for buttons, sold him on for a big profit. He's gone on to become... A hugely important part of that Liverpool team, Champions League winner, Premiership way, Premier League winner, um, but still just killing it. So, talk us through your reasoning behind Big VVD's left leg. Uh, I was just thinking about, I was thinking about his time at Celtic. Right, sorry, right leg, right leg, yeah, Celtic, right leg. Uh, you know, I, I, with all, with all these players, I, I put down some, well, not all of them, but some of them, I put down uh, words that I, I thought that connected them and whether that would fit into the you know, the the kind of body part that I was connecting them to. So I just put down with Virgil van Dijk, agile, strong and uh, fast. 
I actually put here, agile, strong, and fast-powered from his tree trunk-like legs. Mm. Excellent in the tackle and technically proficient. Um, and then what I did was I started going back and, and, and looking at performances where he really shone. And there's a video on YouTube, and it's his uh, it's his highlights from the, the two games he played against Barcelona in 2013-2014. The tackling, the timing, the passing out from the back incredible there's a tackle in the box on i think it's iniesta where the ball comes across and he just the front post and he comes across and it's this this long long it's this long leg just coming in from behind and just sweeping up that right leg literally going to the ground not in a dangerous way not in a oh carol starfelt way who i love um but in a very in a very timed and precise way um, his blocking, putting his you know putting his body, but his legs specifically in positions where you can't make a pass, opening up his body to um, receive and, and to pass the ball on. Um, he also another point would be the strength in his stance as he's running and that Nicky Law when we played Rangers and he just bounces off him, he just bounces off him, and it's causing those... him Nicky Law like a lot, a, a lot, a lot of nothing, yeah. a lot of nothing in that Rangers. Um, but he just puts him in his ass, and it's and it's because of those kind of big pistons, kind of running and, and the power in the legs, um, and then the final one, uh, the pace and precision uh, in the solo goal versus St Johnston, where he literally Great. beats half the team. Um, so that that's my well, Paul. What do you make of the choice? I love it. Um, while you've been talking, I've been watching this uh, Barcelona highlight reel, and. You always think of Virgil van Dijk as being this graceful, uh, calm player who didn't really have to do that much defending. But look at him in this these highlights, and he's like he's like Starfelt esque in his penalty box defending, yeah. which I I love Starfelt too. I think he's a great player. Um, and Virgil in this game, but he's like he's intercepting things. He's he's completely dominating the the uh, Barcelona attackers, uh, goal line clearances and all that sort of stuff. Excellent, because um, I always remember more for his kind of coming out of the box and passing, and uh, yeah, he hits. A, he scored a couple of free kicks as well. He did, yeah. Uh, the goal versus Aberdeen, uh, the St Johnson goal. Um, yeah, uh, I loved him. I mean, an excellent player. Like you know, he's. Uh, I think there's there's probably a bit of debate about whether or not we saw the best of Virgil Van Dyke, and obviously he was a lot younger when he was with us, and he's clearly developed far more at uh, Southampton and then Liverpool, but for what he did for Celtic and the time he was here, fantastic. Loved him. Um and love that right leg. Great. It's a it's a it's a beauty. Um speaking of beauty, um many people say that the butt are the eyes to the soul. Gal and we're 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 talking about butt and it's a big butt. Um so with the reason we're talking about a player's butt, not to objectify a player, I, I hasten to add, it, it's more about this sort of set idea of the centre of gravity, right? What's, what is your, what's your butt for in football? It's your centre of gravity. It's, you use it to shield the ball. You, you know, it's probably more maybe a kind of defensive uh, tool at your um, disposal, but it, it's your bottom is an important part of your body, right? Um, so with that in mind... <laughs> Whose butt are we going to slice off? 
Jesus. Uh, or what are some of the other butts that were in contention? Uh, when you put it like that, that's pretty <laughs> yeah. grotty. Um, yeah, pretty bad. Pretty bad. I mean, this is a this is a lab. Yeah, um, we are in a lab, and it is all science, so that's yeah. fine. Um, so I thought about people with a, a, as you say, that kind of ability to kind of block players off and kind of can keep the ball. The first player, that, the first person that comes to mind is James Forrest, and I think that probably is the the name that comes to mind for. Um, a number of our listeners uh, and a, lo- a number of Celtic fans just his ability to kind of he's, he's got a he's got a, a quite a his posterior is useful in the art of defending the ball. Um, Remember when the Celtic TikTok like posted a picture of James Forrest butt with like juicy, juicy, <laughs> <laughs> horrendous, uh, absolutely <laughs> fucking horrendous. Uh, <laughs> I also thought about uh, John Hartson as well because Hartson mm. a lot of the time played with his uh, back to goal at points and um, he was very good at protecting the ball and holding the ball up for one twos and such. Unfortunately, I also thought of Chris Commons and that made, look, me, that made look, me upset. Look, say what you like about Chris Commons, but he contributed to Celtic, right? He scored goals. Don't like him as a person. He scored goals, and that's all I have to say. <laughs> very, very <laughs> diplomatic. Um, but my choice, I believe, mm-hmm. it's gone very, very left field. It's, it's, oh. a, it's, it's, and it's for a very, very specific reason. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm on tenter hooks here. My choice of but is. For one yeah. specific, sorry, this, this is this is the clip for like social media. My, <laughs> My choice, choice for but, but. Um, it's a very specific reason. It's a very specific incident. So I only have one kind of example. Lubomir Maravchik. Oof! If you can control the ball with your bottom the way that Lubomir Maravchik <laughs> did on the twenty ninth of August, nineteen ninety nine. I was sitting there with my sister, the balls in the air, and I shouted at her, what's he doing? As he turned round, turned his back to the crowd and controlled the ball with his bottom. But then <laughs> but then, in one sort of movement, whips the ball in. Um, you know, like, you know, you know, I had to have Lubo on this list is, is the other <laughs> thing. But um, you can't tell me that controlling a ball, you know, a 20-yard cross ball with your bottom, if that doesn't get you into this, onto this monster, onto this Celtic monster, I don't know what does, Paul. (laughs) I've just watched it back. It's so great. Uh, Yeah. Okay. I can't argue with that at all, man. Like, that's, you know what you've done, Gal, you've made it about football and that's what we have. That's what we're doing here, right? This isn't a gratuitous conversation about guys' butts. This is, we're trying to build the best footballer possible. And, I mean, Lumerian Mravchik, better known for his incredible technique and ability with both feet and just reading to the game and just overall general excellence. What a butt. What a butt. I tell you, I, I, incredible. Um, and what a player. And what a man. Gift from God. The greatest. Gift from God, yeah. Um, if any listeners out there haven't haven't seen Lubo a Gift from God, the, the DVD, then it's... It's one of the big, it's one of the greatest films ever made. You know, people talk about Citizen Kane and uh, oh god, name another film, Paul. <laughs> Superman, Cl- Clueless. <laughs> um, oh, Clueless is amazing. Clueless is amazing. Yeah, um, that's why I said it. 
Oh, okay. Never seen Citizen Kane, though. Rosebud. Rosebud. Ah, just a, just <laughs> that a was point. Uh, okay, uh, Lubo's butt makes the monster. Um, I'm, do you know what? I, I'm glad Lubo's part of it. I wasn't expecting you to choose his butt, but here we, here we are. Okay. What's connected to the butt, gal? <laughs> <laughs> What's... No, I don't. I don't know. This is the first time I've ever dissected human <laughs> being. Um, oh, it's torso, isn't it? It's torso, so, yeah. So torso, body. I mean, you're, you're, you, you know what a torso is, right? So the part from like your your hips up to like your tits, hips to tits, I guess, uh, underneath your armpits, I guess, or like even I guess up to your. Paul, people know what a torso is. So <laughs> people know what a torso is. I should not be the person that hosts this podcast. <laughs> you know, sometimes no. if, you have, if you have the idea, sometimes it's good to just pass the idea over. To I, I feel else, like right? pa- I feel like I'm in a John Waters film. To be honest with you, but there you yeah, go. Yeah, it is getting that way. It's, I'm not going to make you eat poo later on. It's okay. Oh, come on. What? It's the, one of the most famous John Waters scenes. It is. Yeah. It's. Um, she died. She did. Uh, strength. Like you're a player's physique. A player's sort of it's that it's that you use your body in so many different ways you use your torso in so many different ways in a, in a football game um a lot of players like to show their torsos off when they score a goal others use it you know if you're chesting a ball down if you're i guess it's part of like a, a defensive and an offensive part of your body to use um but I, I see it more as a sort of like core strength yeah um I'm not sure how you interpreted it, Gal. What do you what do you think about this? So, when I thought about torso, as you mentioned, you know, strength and physique and stuff, um, there was a number of a number of players. Um, you know, I think you could look at Jackamakis. You know, he he did use that kind of strength, um, and you saw pictures of his six pack, and he looked tremendous. Uh, our our good friend O. He looks yeah. absolutely fantastic. He's, he's, you know, you can ripped. see a lot of it. Ripped is the word I was looking for. But also, I, that goal he scored at the time of recording, he just scored a great header against Hibs at the weekend. And I think that's his core strength won him that ball. 100%. So, 100%, Paul. Excellent. Johan uh, was another one, again. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, Larson as well. Larson's a really mm-hmm. good kind of torso and he used his body really well in strength. But yeah, I, the, the torso doesn't have to be like a big guy. Do you know what I mean? Uh, my, mine is a big guy. Well, okay. Yeah, I mean, it does. I'm just, you know. Just... Uh, I went with Bobo Baldy um, <laughs> because uh, strength and physique, uh, he was unbelievable. Um, one of the most physically imposing players that I think I've ever seen in person. Strong and powerful, but also fast and aggressive. Bobo's gonna get you. Mm-hmm. Had World Cup players and Champions League players shaking in their boots. Yep. Crying in the dressing room. Crying in the dressing room. Crying uh, at the discotheque as well. Uh, I just, you know, his uh, a couple. The couple of examples I've got for this are a uh, the eleventh of March two thousand and four when Celtic beat Barcelona one goal to nil. Alan Thompson scores the goal. Yep. Ronaldinho at that point was like the best player in the world, or at least one of the best players in the world. And Baldy, I think, it's in the first five minutes, body checks him. He body checks him off the ball, out of the kind of off the pitch, and from that point you can see Ronaldinho was like, "Okay, I'm going to have to go by this guy." So he gets his ball and he starts kind of uh, dribbling and you know his pace a lot of the time, um, not just his pace, but sometimes he, he would kind of just drive by players. Baldy was so fast as well that again he just body checked him off, um, mm. and at that point there was one tackle he made makes on him at the halfway line that if he was an inch too late. 
he could potentially have been, you know, booked or sent off, but he hits it perfectly. And at that point, Ronaldinho's like, nah, don't pass me the ball. I'm, I'm all right. Here, listen. <laughs> you, don't pass it. Uh, no, I'll get them on the return leg. <laughs> and it was that thing where it's like, Bobo's going to kill. Yeah, Bobo's going to kill. You know that? And um, it just was, you know, there was an air about him. But it was down to kind of his total physical dominance. Um, the other one, the other two I've got is the header versus Rangers uh, in 2005, where he just physically dominates. I can't, I've looked at this footage like three or four times. I'm trying to figure out who the actual defender is, but I, I can't really see who the defender is. Um, and he just rag, like powers through, dominates, smashes through that powerful, aggressive attacking of um of the ball and finally um squaring off against one of the biggest probably the biggest footballer i've ever seen michael ballack uh, against Bayern munich I, I, I remember sitting watching them for a corner it was like that picture of rocky uh, rocky five where it's like uh, sly stallone versus um what you call him uh dolph lundgren dolph lundgren yeah and they're both just kind of squaring off to each other and during those corners, Baldy would just be like, you're not getting by me. It's not getting by me. It's fine. Um, torso, physique. Bah, Baldy's got it all day long, I think. Do you? Right. Uh, yeah, I'll, I love him too. Um, and just when you think of the Martin O'Neill era, you think of Bobo Baldy, right? So Baldy was at Celtic for, what, seven or eight years? Seven years, I think. Seven seasons, eight seasons. But for the last like three of them, he played a handful of games, so when Strachan came in, basically. What do you think about that? I don't think we've ever, ever talked about that in a podcast. What do you think about Baldi basically being like frozen out? Um, he was on fifty grand a week, wasn't he? Uh, I think his last con, you know, his last. Con- he, he's a guy who has. I really like Baldi, and I think when he was at his best, he legitimately was incredible for us. Really, really good. Um, physically imposing, as we've mentioned, dominating in the air. Um, but, you know, he wasn't afraid to, you know, make passes. Um, and he wasn't afraid to drive as well into the midfield. Um, but he kind of fell off a cliff. You know, he kind of, when he got to a certain age, uh, he lost a little bit of pace. His timing was a little bit off. From a physical point, he, you know, was kind of wearing down a little bit. And it came earlier than maybe people would expect. Uh, Strachan, like all of those players, handled it horrendously. And he almost almost made it like it was the player's fault that he had a contract. And, you know, like, tracking, you know, the way Sutton left, the way Thompson left, the way Baldy left, you know. Baldy just was like, I'm going to sit in my contract and I'm going to go around Glasgow and I'm going to take pictures. And he became like this weird photographer That's guy, right. which is yeah, yeah. entitled to do. He's got a contract with the club, but... Yeah, I mean, he was injured for a lot of that. There was yeah. like, was it on a leg break or something. He, he yeah, broke his so, leg, yeah. You know, but to, to give it some context, but... Yeah. Um, we we kind of never saw him again, you know. Um... Our good friend oh. Marek, our good friend Marek Robert, Baldy's brother worked with Marek's uncle in a oh. factory in Marseille. Wow! And one day Marek got a phone call in the house, or the phone house phone rang because this is when house phones were thing, and he picked <laughs> up and it was Bobo Baldy, and he was like, "Come to uh, the front and ask for uh, there'll be two tickets for you and your dad with uh, under under your name." Because wow. his dad, Excellent. his his brother, Marek's dad, Marek's uncle basically said to Baldy's brother, oh, my, my nephew and my, my brother, you know, they love Celtic and they, they can't get to a lot of games because they like demand for tickets. He's like, oh, I'll phone my brother, he'll sort it for you. They did. Super. Great. So, good guy. 
If only you could get Marek to come on a podcast and tell his stories, eh? Oh, if only, but unfortunately, that's <sighs> just that's just reserved for me, you, and a few people in the pub <laughs> yeah. and in his house. Unfortunately. Uh, the silent cynic. Um, love Marek, Robert. Shout out to Marek if you're listening. Um, okay, well, I've just what I've done is I've just taken I've just basically taken all of Bobo's limbs and head off, and we've just got his body now, so Jesus. it's ready to go to be attached to the to the monster. Um, and I feel like it's going to be a pretty good, strong, imposing monster now. Um, let's do a wee, a wee recap of, of what we've got, Gal. Um, we'll start from the floor. Uh, <laughs> John Collins's left foot. Yes. Henrik Larson's right foot. Yes. Kieran Tierney's left leg. Yes. Virgil van Dijk's right leg. Lubobia Moravchik's butt. <laughs> and Bobo Baldi's body. See, when you talk about, like... Um... We'll take the extremity off the the player, but we'll patch them up and send them all all on their way. We'll let them go. I think Bobby Baldy might die. <laughs> I think I don't think yeah, the, it's the heart is connected. Yeah, because it does include the heart. Oh, the heart that was a, we should have maybe had a heart body part. Um, have you ever seen Beetlejuice? Um, when they're in a the Maitlands are in this is too film centric probably, but the Maitlands are in the underworld and um. The there's the American football team and they've clearly been in a plane crash, and he goes up to the uh, woman and goes, "Coach, I don't think we survived that crash." It's a funny scene and it's kind of like Baldy just being like, "What the fuck? I said I'd, I said I donate one of my limbs." What? Because <laughs> he's dead. Yeah. Thanks for your torso, Bobo Baldy. Um, how's it going, girl? Are you comfortable with all this so far? Yeah. I feel like we're build, building the ultimate uh, beast. By the way, you should do heart for the next one. Yeah. Okay. Well, you, oh, that means that. Hang on a minute, listeners. It sounds like we're getting a part two. <laughs> um, uh, that's good, I guess. <laughs> also, kind of disgusting. Um, can yeah, you imagine, heart can, would be a good one too. Can, can you imagine who Bowd's going to pick for this? I mean, oh yeah. Be- I, do, you know, do you know what I was thinking? Guess two in this, without doubt, Chris Bowd. On like, with that, not question about it. Yeah. Um, okay, we're moving up the body. We're going to go to the arms now. So. Arms and hands are separate, like leg and foot. So let's start with your left arm. So I'm thinking with the left arm, the criteria are sort of throwing, right? If you're a goalkeeper. Uh, agility. You know, a lot of players use their, their arms to leverage when they're going for headers and stuff. And we talked about Henrik Larson using his arms when he struck the ball. Um, you can use your arm for a lot of things, to hold off defenders. To If you're Star- Carl Starfelt, you can use it to pull shirts as well. Um but also, I think like you can use your arms to like gesture at rival fans as well. So um, there's there's a lot you can do with an arm. So left arm, who's it going to be? Let me take you back. <laughs> take you back in time to the 1989 Scottish <sighs> Cup final. Oh wow! Okay, here now we're talking. Roy Aitken and John Brown go in for a tackle uh, on the the far touch line, and. John Brown wants the throw in. Roy Aitken takes the throw in and throws it to. Uh, does he throw it directly to Joe Miller or? I think it's direct to Miller. Yeah, direct to Joe Miller, and it, Joe Miller scores. What you, what you, if you look at that footage, what you see is John Brown kind of a bit confused and going to get the ball, and Roy Aitken's left elbow, his left arm, elbows him a little bit, and the kind of kind of there's a small elbow which allows Roy Aitken to go a little bit and take the throw in. 
And so I want that left elbow, I want that left arm on my monster. I love it. Um, absolutely love it. Um, and the greatest thing about it was that it wasn't even meant to be our throw No, in. it was their throw in. That's... Totally came off. Uh, just to clarify, uh, Aitken throws it to one of your other favourites, Peter Grant, who what? sets up, well, he doesn't really set up Miller. It's basically a mistake. Uh, Rangers defender makes a mistake and Miller yeah, slots at home. Um, yeah, that was the last moment of great joy. Uh, but yeah, the elbow, I love it. I mean, you actually, you forget that you can elbow folk sometimes. Exactly. Just, and do you know what it is? It's that wee bit of shithousery as well, gal. Um, and doing it to a Rangers player, of all the Rangers players, you know, horse the deeds. Um, perfect. Love it. Um, yeah, Aitken. Thoughts on Aitken? Memories of Aitken? Uh, kind of, you know, memories of Aitken at the 1990 World Cup. Uh, it's captain of Scotland. Uh, memories of that time, but not in a really visceral sense in that I was, you know, still quite young. Um, Dad loved Roy Aitken. I think he was just kind of, you know, the real kind of, just a great centre-half, great midfielder when he had to play in midfield, played midfield for Scotland. Um, yeah. Just rough and tumble, hard as they come, that sort of kind of captain imperious. Obviously, it was really hard to kind of, you know, pass that band and band on. And, you know, I remember as a, ma- a manager as well at Aberdeen when they won the League Cup in, in uh, kind of the mid-90s and stuff. Uh, yeah, what a time for Roy Aitken. Didn't see him at his best, um, but his his legacy and his legend are quite quite uh, high and, and proud. And I always find it quite funny when people, when we play Cynic Wars, people get rid of him really quickly. And it's like, mm. well, not Christopher Sarmani. He knows the he knows the score. Um, feed the bear, Roy Aiken went to my school. One of my favourite players from from being a kid. Uh, I've told the story a billion times, but Celtic used to train it uh, or come down and train it. The same old hydro. I lived in Adrosson. We drive along, meet all the team. Got loads of autographs from that era. And yeah, Roy, right, I remember coming to our school when I think when we our school team got new shirts, he came and did the Adrosson Salkwitz Herald photo shoot and all that sort of stuff. So um, yeah, great, brilliant. I love Roy Aitken. Um, and I love that elbow, that arm. Great. I'm, I'm delighted with that. I'm, I'm so glad Roy Aitken's part of this monster. Um, I, I he himself was a bit of a monster on the pitch, so this is perfect. Exactly. Um, right arm, Christopher. Let me take you back. <laughs> no, uh, just history lesson. It's no. This is this is actually this season. So this is from this season. Uh, I was going to go with the Bruni. I was going to be like, oh, it's Scott Brown's arms because of the Bruni and all that. Um, but I, I didn't. <laughs> so there you go. Um, That's fine. I didn't do it. Um. I've went with Jota's celebration after the 4-0 victory when he's got his arm up oh. in the air. Um, so it will be Jota's right arm. Um, I think he deserves a place in this monster as well. Um, after scoring uh, an audacious, uh, technically tremendous and just gorgeous finish um, against Rangers in the 4-0 demolition at the beginning of the season. Um, he talked about it and what it meant, what this the kind of celebration meant and I think he comes across as a very articulate, intelligent young man. I think he realises the kind of statement he was making when, you know, you make that sort of celebration. So, yeah, Jota on the wing, Jota's right arm on the monster. <laughs> yeah, great, sure. Um, beautiful. Uh, that celebration, I mean, what a day that was, right? I, I was in I was in holiday in Spain with Frankie when that game was on this season and we, we sat out in our, like, veranda outside the, the wee apartment thing and had her like watch on the laptop basically and got loads of cans in it was just such right. a nice day and i'd had a 
one of the like there was a Rangers fan that was down on the sort of promenade. There was like our hotel was kind of on this promenade, and I remember walking down to go buy some beers, and I was wearing my Celtic top, and a guy was like, "Come on, Rangers!" Some some guy who probably wasn't from the south side of Glasgow, <laughs> and uh, he just riled me up, right? And then we went four 0 and I go back down, and I just smile at him. Beautiful. That celebration was. I don't know if maybe, like, so Jota claimed it was maybe in part like tribute to Jinky, but also it just it kind of has anti-fascist vibes and um, Black Panther vibes as well. You know? Yeah, yeah, whatever he meant by it. I mean, I think he just I don't I think he's kind of just denied any kind of significance. But we know, we know. We know. If you know, you know. Uh, and I would like this monster to to be anti-fascist. So um, fundamentally anti-fascist. So with with elbow and. Uh, John Brown and, and saluting anti-fascist movements, then that's a great thing. Let's talk about Jota, man. Like, I think this boy is... I mean, the best player on the team is Haxabanovic, right? Without doubt. Without doubt. But second best player on the team, in terms of just being able to create something from nothing, is Jota. And at the time of recording, so again, we just beat Hibs 4-2 and 4-1. 4-1 at the weekend. And Jota had an absolute... It was 3-1. 3-1. Fuck. I've just watched this beat Hibs a few times this season. Uh, Jota's in the first half was fucking dog meat, man. Yeah. Terrible. Scored that terrible penalty. But then after that, he just... His game just... I don't know what what happened. Something happened with him. We've seen that from him a couple of times this season, where he just sometimes takes the game by the scruff of the neck. We don't really have a lot of players that do that. We have a team that plays really well together and trusts the system and does everything mostly right. But it's we're, we're kind of light on those players with that sort of hitch personality that will go, nah fuck it, do you know what? This this isn't good enough. We're gonna we're gonna win this game. Um and I think maybe you guys talked in the agenda about how perhaps he Haxabanovich coming on so late was because Jota just looked hungry and in the mood. Um I, I love him. I, I I hate when he doesn't play. Um, and what a, he's having a great season. He really is. I think I think there's an improvement from last year. Yeah, I, I think he's. Uh, you know, I, I think he's got level. I still think he's got levels to go up on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. But when he shines, uh, when he has shone this season, it's been incredibly bright. And um, I like to think he's saving his best performances for after the split. So fingers crossed yeah. that we'll get some really mag- really great magic from him. And hopefully even more magical celebrations. Uh, okay, great right arm. Great arms. A couple of great arms there. Uh, Elms. Uh, hands. Um, I'm looking for a left hand and a right hand. Red right hand, of course, Nick Cave. Um, right, left hand. Let's start with that. Um, I'll be honest, with the left and the right hand, I've just chosen chosen two, a left hand and right hand from our best goalkeeper's probably ever outside of Ronnie Simpson. Um, left hand, I've went with Fraser Foster. Mm-hmm. Um, just some of the most incredible saves I've ever seen. He makes about two or three amazing saves. In the, I watched the League Cup final um, for 2019. I watched uh, the, uh, the whole, not the whole game, sorry, the, the extended highlights uh, this afternoon. And he, he makes about two or three outrageous saves with his left hand where I don't know how he did it. Like, mm. you know, I used to play in goals when I was younger and, you know, it's all about, you know, I always say to Claire, it's all about stretching and fingertips, always about fingertips. Um, he, he, he just somehow seems to get that extra finger stretch. Yeah. Um. So I've put him in the left-hand side. I mean, this is a, this is a guy that we talk about fairly regularly. It's also someone that you don't really, 
you know, have to go into too much detail with because, you know, against Rangers in a League Cup final and against Barcelona in the Champions League, he was a man on a mission. And they, those two, domestically, that's the highest form of um, pressure. And from a European standpoint, that Barcelona team where, you know, they were cooking, as Barry Gallagher would say. And, mm. you know, to have him kind of be the man of the match in probably yeah. both occasions, it says it all needs to. So I went with his left hand because, as I say, watching that League Cup final, um, I, I just saw a lot of really good left hands. The right hand has a specific season why, reason why I've put the player in the right hand position. But left hand, Fraser Foster, superb. Yep, great. Uh, penalty save against Hearts in the last minute of in course. 2014 or 15. Um, yeah, he's, I think he's the best goalie to have ever had. If I'm being honest, he would be my first choice goalie. Um, yeah, that cup fight. Those two, those two games you mentioned, I think that just sums up Fraser Foster's time at Celtic. Um, yeah. from, from from an inauspicious start to us all being like, who the fuck is this guy we've signed when Lennon was the manager first time round to him becoming a key player for his outstanding um, performances in big games. Um, I and when he came back a couple of seasons ago, like he he was kind of also like. He'd kind of become a like as a person, like as a dressing room character, more important. You know, he was yeah. doing a lot of the press conferences, and I mean, they probably shouldn't really let him do press conferences. You know, stick to the football, mate. You know I mean? yeah, no. <laughs> stick uh, to the bloody, stick to the bloody <laughs> football, foul, you know. <laughs> but uh, you could see the 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 growth in him, but he still had skill, and of course, he's at Spurs now, so um, good for him. I mean, I, I wish he'd stayed second time round. I really do, but um, love him. Yeah. Great, great goalkeeper. Because, um, yeah, we're talking about hands, thinking about general goalkeeping, shot-stopping, instinctiveness. Yeah. And Forster had instinctiveness. Um, right hand. Uh, right hand, I've went with Arthur Boric, and it's for mm. a specific reason. And that reason is, he has, when he's on the Ibrooks pitch with a championis flag, he holds it in his right hand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ibrooks, um, and that's the reason I love that picture of him with the Champions swag and uh, yeah. Ibrooks. Um, he hated them in a very, you know, be- from a base level. Um, uh, I think he understood stood everything that they, they kind of stood for in a way that maybe not a lot of players do. Um, I would have Boric over Foster. Okay, well that's the debate. It's one or the other, right? I th- I don't think, I, you know, I've seen Foster be incredible for Celtic and do things that, um, you know, I, I didn't think possible from a Celtic goalkeeper. But I've seen Arthur Boric be, do it with flair. Do you think the highs are higher for Boric than they are for Forster? Whereas Forster's maybe more consistent, I, I would, Boric I, had higher highs. I would, I would argue that uh, when Boric was consistent, he was... More consistent than Foster, okay. Um, but you know, if you if you if you're looking at you can look at it from two points. I cannot. By the way, say if someone said I disagree, I think Foster's the best goalkeeper. I'd be like, fair enough. Like, I think I think part of it does come down to personality. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think part of it. I think Boric was the best goalkeeper in the world when he was at Celtic. Like, I, I think he was the best goalkeeper in the world, and I also think he had a really. He was just a maverick and a character and he had a lot of kind of, I just liked him. I liked him as a footballer. I liked him when he used to, gra- like, when he get really aggressive. Like, the thing about Boric, he was, he was always shouting and he was always really aggressive and that, yeah. that I think that they genuinely do think that spurs players on in a football pitch and I mm-hmm. think that Foster was a little bit quieter 
Um, and as you say, when he came back, he was maybe a little bit more expressive, but aye. Boric, man. Right hand with a flag. Aye, Brooks. Like that. Oh, get up, ye. I love that. He's a big, he's a big ride as well, Boric. You know what I mean? Like a big, sexy bastard and, yes. and, a, and a wido and a crazy person, essentially. Um, yeah, I mean, fuck. I absolutely adore the guy. Love him. Um, and I love your reasoning for that. Like, I think you can talk about Boric's best games and best saves or best penalty kicks against the United. But um, I think what he stood for and that image that you've talked about, we all, we've all seen it, we all remember it. I think that's a perfect reason for attaching his right hands to the monster. Beautiful. So basically you're going to have Jota's arm and Boric's right hand and Roy Aitken's arm and Forster's <laughs> left hand. So, what, and also the hands will be wearing goalie gloves. Yes. Of course. Of course, um, goalie, goalie should never be seen without goalie gloves. Just to hide the, just to hide the big uh, surgical uh, stitches, the big because it's aye, a monster I movie. Mean, yeah, the big surgical stitches. Generally, I'm pretty good at, at stitching body parts to other body parts, but uh, when it comes, it's those wrists. The wrists are just, do you know what I mean? It's the bony bits, and uh, it's tough. It's hard. Um, once I've graduated from medical school, hopefully I'll be... Hold on a minute, yeah. you, you've not graduated from medical school? <laughs> what the hell are we doing? I, I said at the start, I have no medical credit, like credentials. Oh, Jesus. Oh, yeah, you walked into the lab. You let me make this. You let me create this lab. Here we are. I thought you were being sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would think that with me, right? Um, okay, uh, we're, we're moving up the body. Um, I'd like to hear who's next... This is so weird. I'd like to hear <laughs> whose neck you'd like to attach to the monster. So we're, you, you referred to a bit earlier talking about like um, you know the neck. The neck is the the key component when you're um, well, not key component, but one of the key components when you're when you're making a header uh, or general aerial battles. Your neck is important. You need a need a strong neck. You need a good neck. Talk me through it. Um, I, you know when I think kind of headering and neck ability and that kind of technique and that power and that um technique technique very good um i mean that was actually quite good paul get your heads out your hand that was quite good um larson comes to mind he scored mm-hmm. a lot of headed goals mm-hmm. john hartson comes to mind he scored a lot mm-hmm. of headed goals mm-hmm. i've went with very good hessling had sorry he was another one very good hessling but great, i great neck but I've went with Chris Sutton. Oh, well. I mean, you don't even have to explain it. Uh, I'll, I'll ask you to anyway, just for the enjoyment of the listeners to get to talk about our great striker, Chris Sutton. One of our, one of our greatest ever strikers. Oh, yeah. You know, no, no question. Imagine if Henry Larson had never played for Celtic. Sutton is arguably in your top two strikers Celtic have had in modern day. Um, love them. Talk us through the neck choice. One of the most intelligent players I've ever seen. No question about it. No doubt about it. Um, his ability in the air, I, I, I've written some of this down, his ability in the air, either jumping a little too early or jumping a little too late, both on purpose and with different outcomes, wink. I don't wink. <laughs> I, I just wrote wink. Um, <laughs> defensively strong and in the final third, completely deadly. Um I think, you know, when I think about what really spurred this team on to go to levels they'd never been before, I think about Chris Sutton's goal, uh, is headed against Ajax in August yep. 2001. He's so, he lays the ball off and then he runs into the box and it's that neck power that, that kind of 
aggressive, direct, powerful smashes past the goalkeeper. That, in a way, almost kind of put us on our way to going up that level. And I really kind of kind of um, give him that credit for that one. Um, but here's the other thing. The 4th of October, 2003, he played as a centre-back at Ibrox when Celtic mm-hmm. won. Um, and he was flawless. Headed everything out of the box. Took everything in his stride. Very intelligent, very articulate. Talking away, which is part of the neck, because the mouth's yeah. part of the neck. Well, Talking away, talking through. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I mean, it's not, but okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just so many headers. So many intelligent headers, either flick-ons or, you know, you know, Champions League headers. Um, it's headers to set players up. Um, mm. Just that ability to understand when to head it down, head it across, head it up or head it back. Absolutely tremendous. Uh, and I just think Sutton, you know, as I say, Larson, it's neck and neck. Oh, uh, a bit of fun there, neck and neck. But, ah, it's a bit of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Chris Sutton. Chris Sutton for me. Perfect. Uh, love it. Um, examples you've given are brilliant. Uh, Juventus headed against Juventus. I, I love though that you've, you've included the games he played either in midfield or centre half because we often forget that. Um, yeah, Ajax, Ajax headers might be the best of the lot. Like, I just love him. Um, always did, always do. He's just a shit house as well. Yeah, that, we're getting into quite shit house territory as we go up the body. I would say. Um, I think you need that in a monster. Um, yeah, what a neck! What a strong neck! Good strong neck. Strong neck. Um, I love it. Okay. Um, that's that's the neck. We've we've only got three parts left. Um, so we're gonna move up the neck to the. I've said face. I wonder if I should have made it like head. We're gonna do face, and by face I mean like terrifying brute or handsome hero. So imagine, like, what, what does a what, what does a, a footballer's face matter, gal? Like. How can a footballer use their face on the pitch? Um, they can use the face to deceive. Oh, yep. They can use the face to inspire. Yep. They can use the face to, um, like, you know, if you're a pure bad guy, um, well, that's a heel, isn't it? But, like, um, you can use it to be snarly. Mm-hmm. No, Scott Brown with snarly wee face. Yeah, um, good example of a face. Um, of a face, good example of a face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Scott Scott Brown has a face. Yes, yes. Um, or you can be like robotic, like John Collins was, um, and not show mm. a lot of emotion on the football pitch. Well, except when he scored. But you know, like the face can be used in in a lot of different ways. I've went with, and I'm glad he's in. Carol Starfelt. Oh, so you've gone for you well, know I've gone some hero. Gone for bloody. Handsome, those cheekbones. Yeah, could great cheese. Absolutely, he looks like a model. Him representing this monster. I mean, the monster's going to be a monster, but his wee face in the middle. Aye, you're less scared of it, aren't you? You know, if you if you're a kid, get up for an autograph, and it's Carl Starfelt's face. Like, imagine how hideous this monster's going to look, right? Yeah, you know, like the the legs will be different lengths. You know, um, blood everywhere, stitches. It's going to look insane. but the face of Carl Starfelt would probably just make you think, ah, oh, they're friendly. The face of an angel. Yeah, face of an angel. Um, so we're both unashamedly enormous Carl Starfelt fans. Uh, 
I, I like to say that he's our best defender. Do you know what? I'm not sure he is still our best defender. See if he could just cut out these fucking giving away penalties. That would be great. Aye, that'd be ideal. You know I mean? That, just, that would like, be ideal that if he stopped doing that. Aye. Stick to doing what you're great at, which is defending. Yeah. You're a great defender. Brilliant defender. You know, your 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 tackling's excellent, your heading's great. Um you finally get your goal this season. Just cut out the fucking shirt pulling, man. Give out the cut out cut out the giving away penalties. Yeah. Um Yeah. Do what do you think about Starfelt on this team? Do you think he's like you think he's around for a while? Do you think he's gonna be the kind of the, the, the consistent centre half for the next few seasons? He was quoted today, uh on uh, certainly on the internet, um mm. of saying that you know he's He's just focused on Celtic and uh, he's not interested in the Premier League and he loves where he is and everything's working out. So, um, yeah, I mean, I can understand, genuinely, I can understand why, like, Premier League clubs would look at him and think um, he's perfect, he's ideal, um, he's strong, he's physical, he has uh, attributes that really would work for a lot of different clubs in England. Um yeah, and, and I think, you know, I would like him to stay. I like him a lot. I think he's a really good defender. I actually think him and um, CCV are are right up there with, you know, a lot of great centre-half half pairings we've had. So, yeah, it'd be good to see how they develop a little bit more. And then you've got, obviously, Kobayashi as well. Him and Kobayashi seem to complement each other as well. So there's lots mm-hmm. of options. Um, I love him. He's a handsome big bastard, uh, gorgeous cheekbones, model-like, and he's the face of this monster. Well... Can't say more than that. He is the face of the monster. I love it. Um, right, we're almost at the end. I, I'm going to leave Brain to last. I figured we'll, we'll just, before we get to Brain, Gal, is there any other kind of miscellaneous body parts that, that you'd like to yeah, just even mention or, or uh, attach to the monster? Um, you didn't get, you didn't say heart, but we mentioned it through kind of coming. And if I was to give this monster a heart, and if I was to give the Celtic monster a heart, it would be Tommy Burns because Tommy oh. Burns is the beating heart of, of this football club for me still. And I absolutely adore the man. And, um, you know, he, you know, he, he has, he's the heart of this, this monster and he's the heart of this club. So Tommy would be the heart. Um, you want to say what your suggestion was in the editorial rundown, Paul? <laughs> Penis, Derek Borator. Simple as simple as yeah. that. If you know, you know. I'll add, I'll add it to the list. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, sorry, listeners. Uh, right, I, I think this is the most important body part. It's the brain, gal. You know, you can have all these beautiful, talented body parts. Really. Uh, Elements of, of different human beings that you bring together to create this perfect football monster. But you know what? If you ain't got a brain, you ain't shit. So Jesus. let's talk about some great footballing brains in Celtic lore. Who sprang to mind initially? Uh, sprang to mind initially was Paul Lambert, was the first one oh, that came to mind. Yeah. Um uh, uh, just you know, the the the, the, the most what a, a very, very intelligent footballer. Um and I just think he knew from spatial awareness specifically when to do things and when not to do things. I think he was really, really up there. Uh, you mentioned managers at the start. Tommy Burns as the manager. You know, that mm-hmm. football brain making all, everything tick and everything move around. And, you know, I still think that T- Burns as Celtic in that period uh, is some of the most exciting football I've seen Celtic play. Um, Lubomir Moravchik. Yeah. Just, again, the ability to manipulate players the ability to manipulate the ball Mm -hmm. the ability to manipulate the crowd which is something that Mm -hmm. you know we don't often talk about but he had that you know his brain was you know 
just wired that way that he knew exactly how to do all that stuff. But that was kind of the three that came up before I picked my main one. Johnny, shall I say who the brain of this football team is? I, I would love it. I'd love to know who it is. I'm, I'm, I, there's a couple of names in my head that, that I think it might be. I get, I get the feeling it's going to be one of one of your guys. I'm not expecting a massive surprise here, but I'm expecting to be pleasantly uh, not surprised. I'm, I'm, I'm expecting to feel pleasant when you tell me. I've, I've killed it. I've killed the link. <laughs> I've killed all these footballers, and now I've just killed the the, the buzz. Uh, yeah. t- tell us whose brain uh, we're going to insert into the monster. The brain that will be inserted into the monster. The maestro, Paul oh, of McStay. Course. Of course it's Paul McStay. Um, you and I have said enough about Paul McStay on Sunny Podcasts over the years, let's be honest, right? Um, there are, there's a two-part um, profile. There's a four-hour can... four two-part deep dive into Paul McStay in the profile yeah. section of the of the podcast. If you want to go back yeah. and listen to it, it's one of the best things we've ever done. Um, it involves myself, Paul our good friend Paul English it involves a uh, Bowd involves a uh, Sir Manny, and it's a real deep dive into McStay. Um, he's the most intelligent footballer I've ever seen on a football pitch. His ability to see passes before the run has been made and react to attacks before they build up. Just for me, the complete football brain on that pitch. Yeah. You can imagine him spraying passes for Kyogo and Maeda oh, and this team, eh? Like, my God. you know, just with, with their anticipation and pace. Um, can you imagine? And, and, can you imagine McStay and Hatati as the two number eights? Jesus, man! Ah, I feel like we need to make this, make this monster now. Right? <laughs> Just you know what I mean? Um, like we're playing guys like David Turnbull and Leo Abada. We could be playing the fucking Celtic monster instead. Do you want um, to hear? Do you want to hear my think, my examples? Yeah, I do. Let's. I want to talk about McStay. Yeah, my examples are. Um, the game opening pass for uh, Morris to pass to McAvaney in the January game in 1988 where he does a wee pirouette, looks up. I don't know how he sees the pass. I really don't. Mm. And he just has this pass that cuts through everybody. Everyone will have seen this pass, I think, because it's all over the place in regards to Twitter and stuff. And it's just, it kind of sums up his genius. It really does. Um, the uh, the aforementioned 2-0 game, we mentioned John Collins with that free kick. Yep. Um, it's, he scores in that game and his, his goal is good. It bounces off the, the ball, but it's not it's not the goal. It's his performance. It re- that game, I think, really solidified how good McStay and Collins could be together. And McStay really plays the captain's role in that game. Um, he got a new lease of life under Tommy Burns. Um, we would push on and, and really challenge for the title after that. He got completely re-energized. Um, he stayed when he could have went. Yep. Um, which I think says a lot about him uh, and his performance against Cologne in 92 as well absolutely fantastic again a captain's performance in a real uh, you know intelligence known when to push forward and when to drop back just sensational uh, there's a Paul McStay story I think it's called is on YouTube it's about an hour long um, I think it was made pretty much in his testimonial year I'm pretty sure yeah um, it's great as well um, it's always worth a watch it just it's got everything that we talk about so there'll be quite a lot of listeners that wouldn't have seen Paul McStay or may not even have been alive when he was playing <laughs> yeah. um, best Celtic player of all time agreed for me. agreed and what a brain what a beautiful brain um, okay Gal we, we, we've made the monster um, let's work up from the bottom left foot John Collins attached to Kieran Tierney's left leg 
Henrik Larsson's right foot attached to Virgil van Dijk's right leg. Both those legs are attached to the butt of Lubomir Moravchik, <laughs> which is attached to the torso of Bobo Baldi, which contains the heart of Tommy Burns yes. and has Dirk Borichter's penis attached <laughs> to the front. That just doesn't seem... See when you talk about Tommy Burns and going to talk about Dirk Borichter? Nah, nah, I don't like that at all. Um, moving up, uh, we've got Roy Aitken's left arm, which is attached to Freezer Force's left hand. We've got Jota's right arm, attached to Arthur Boric's right hand. The neck, the beautiful strong neck of Chris Sutton. The face of Carl Starfelt. And the brain of Paul McStay. Listen, the lab is a bloodbath. Um, there are just bits of body lying all around the place. But I'm ready to bring the monster to life. <laughs> It's alive. So if you could insert some electricity noises here, Carl, <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> um, Chris, uh, as ever, um, it's such a treat to have you as a guest on a podcast. Thank um, you. You always uh, go to such great lengths to prepare and come up with some brilliant examples. Uh, I love this monster. I love this podcast. Um, thank you very much for joining me in the lab Paul, uh, Paul this has been an absolute joy an absolute pleasure thank you for asking me and making uh, allowing me to be the first guest um, I've enjoyed it thoroughly and um, it's alive long live the Celtic monster <laughs> okay I can't, th- I can't think of a better outline than that so from Christopher Gallagher and from myself Dr Carlin this has been Dr Carlin's Celtic monster uh... 